0: Welcome to the mini-break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, July 31st. Lots to attend to from the tennis world. Have some breaking news I want to discuss at the top of the show. Of course, we've also got things such as the World Team Tennis Playoffs this weekend, Ultimate Tennis Showdown Part 2 at Patrick Mortelou's Academy. We've got players such as Alex Zverev, Felix Ogier, Ali Yassim making their UTS debuts. We've also got our first WTA tournament, our first sanctioned professional action in oh so long coming up next week, Monday in Palermo. We got our first draw in what feels like forever finally released, so we're going to talk about that draw, a couple of other things I want to touch on relating to the upcoming three-week bubble in New York, Western and Southern U.S. Open being played there. More information continued to be learned about those event. It does seem for now that the USTA plans on carrying ahead, trying to play these events over that three-week stretch. Again, bubbled in New York, and there are still some logistical things to figure out for certain, but as of now, it looks like all systems are go. Of course, the reason we are able to talk about all of these subjects day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we get from our friends and no friend has been more supportive of us no friend has been more supportive maybe to the tennis world as a whole throughout these past 30 years than midwest sports which has served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers again for more than 30 years they offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match they also have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis Uh, equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping from their automated warehouse directly to your front door. They value innovation and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. And again, we say this all the time, but maybe it's been a while for you. Maybe, you know, you haven't been able to get out there certainly during this quarantine, but maybe you just entered a new phase of your life. It's that post-college, I just started work, or maybe you're in a serious relationship, you're starting to have kids, or maybe just Just because you want to spend so much time with your girlfriend now, you no longer need to go fill, you know, find that missing fulfillment for love, for affection in your life on the tennis court. I'm not projecting here, folks. I'm just assuming that's what some people feel. Nevertheless, rest assured that the experts at Midwest Sports are intimately familiar with tennis equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect clothing. That is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selection of equipment are consistently first to market and they pride themselves in stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. You can find all of these products, all of these prices by going to their website, midwestsports.com. While you're there, of course, you're going to want to update your gear. And since you are, you might as well use our promo code CR15. Not only will it let them know that we sent you there, you'll also get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders, exceeding 75 And best of all, a free can of Wilson extra duty tennis balls. Midwest Sports wanting to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Of course, I continue to say it here on the mini break. It's our new motto on this podcast. You look good. You feel good. You play good on the court. And with Midwest Sports, you're going to look good. With our Cracked Rackets listening experience, you're going to be amped up. But to ensure you are feeling good. So that you play good, come on! Once you hit that tennis court, uh, we're gonna turn you to our friends at AeroBar because it really is the only tennis-specific energy bar available out there. A great, nutritious way to start your day. More potassium than a banana. Delicious chocolate chip and cinnamon honey oat flavors. And again, if you've enjoyed our episodes at getting to, of getting to the point Thursdays here on the Mini Break, our show with our friends Mark Golub, uh, Mark Aerosmith, excuse me, Andrew Golub. I merged them into one at. Uh, from Aerobar, then of course you know how important nutrition and fitness is in modern day tennis, and you can get your action, you can get your fitness, your nutrition heading in the right direction by turning to our friends at Aerobar. It's why people like Stevie Johnson, James Blake, Andy Roddick, so many others have turned to the product. You can as well. Go to aerobar.com, use our promo code CRACKED15 as well. You'll get 15% off your order. More importantly, you're not going to feel bloated, you're not going to feel a sugar rush and then a crash. You're just going to get that sort of energy boost you need again to get yourself headed in the right direction. Aerobar.com. The promo code is Cracked15. Now, with that being said, let's get to the big news. And it's not professional tennis related, folks. It comes from the college tennis world. As we learned on Wednesday, I believe it was Wednesday, a shocking Piece of news comes out Wednesday night, 7:25 p.m. from the Baylor Tennis Twitter account. Baylor Men's Tennis Head Coach Brian Bolin announced his resignation on Wednesday, effective immediately. Associate Head Coach Michael Woodson has been named interim head coach for the 2020-21. season. Hey, great shot there. That's a mouthful. Anyways, the statement from Coach Boland is as follows. I wish to thank my Baylor family, especially my dedicated and talented players, coaches, and staff. Without their effort and dedication, the success we have enjoyed over the last two years would not have been possible. I also wish to thank the Baylor administration, especially AD Mark Rhodes, Jeremiah Dickey, Kenny Boyd, for the kindness, grace, and support each of them has shown me, my family, and the Baylor tennis program. It has been an honor and privilege to have worked with all of the great people in and around Baylor Tennis. I leave this program with a sense of pride and accomplishment and look forward to what lies ahead of me both personally and professionally. I wish Michael Woodson and Baylor Tennis all the best as they continue their pursuit of excellence. Now look. A lot of things going through my mind when I heard this result. And I know some of you listeners, some of you friends of the show, some of the people in the tennis world, various people from throughout the tennis universe that we have gotten close to at Crack Records have texted me because, let's be honest here, listeners, and it's worth repeating again at the top, just a reminder. Uh, Coach Boland is a guy I consider a friend, certainly a peer at this point, certainly a mind I know I have been able to turn to throughout my experiences covering college tennis. And And again, it's only been three years for me, and you keep in mind, I never played college tennis. Sure, I have followed the game as closely as maybe anyone in the United States outside of Bobby Knight, Chris Hallioris, Matt Stokowiak. I like to think we're an elite crew. You know, you want to throw Colette Lewis in there, you want to throw some Lisa Stone in that cohort as well. That's fair, uh, but certainly there aren't 10 people in the country who have followed college tennis more closely than I have since 2010, throughout the past 10 years. And you look at those 10 years, and particularly in the game of men's college tennis, uh, many of the results, many of the outcomes, the trends we've seen are synonymous with Brian Boland. Of course, he took his University of Virginia men's tennis program to heights that are unmatched in college. Well, you know, certainly only the best teams match them, right? USC in its prime, Stanford in its prime, Georgia in its prime. That's the conversation Coach Boland's Virginia teams entered with the success they have. You know, four championships in his last five seasons, countless national indoor championships as well, individual champs, All-Americans, all of these various accolades and then Coach Boland stepped away from college tennis after 2017 to take on a new challenge. And, you know, he has spoken about that challenge on this podcast, or maybe not on this podcast, but when we've had him on our Cracked Rackets podcast before. Uh, the reasoning behind his decision to step away from the University of Virginia, the reasoning behind his decision to go be the head of men's player development at the USTA. And, you know, he talked about why that opportunity was right for him, why that opportunity was right for his family. So I don't need to go back into that to speak for him. you want to hear his thoughts on why he made that decision uh, you can go back and listen to those podcasts another decision again that was perhaps equally as shocking to this and once again driven by his family as he has stated repeatedly by the immense opportunity presented to him uh, was his decision to leave the USTA and go back into the ranks of college uh, tennis to go back and coach a program such as the Baylor men's tennis team and again something he has emphasized repeatedly on this program. Uh, The reasoning behind that decision so many of the decisions coach Boland makes is are driven by his family. He is very, a a family man through and through. It means more to him than anything else in this world, and you can tell that by the way he leads his programs, by the family atmosphere that he creates. You know, when you talk to guys like Sam DeVarman, Luca Corintelli, you know, Tred Huey, and everyone in between, you know, the Mitchell Franks, the Jameer Jenkins, all these people I've been fortunate enough, even Tony Bresky, his assistant-turned-competitor, Andreas Pedroso, all these various people. uh, It's that family atmosphere Coach Boland builds. It's the dedication he shows to his programs. When he is in on a job, he does it 150%. And it's not just him. It's his family. It's his lovely wife, Becky. His kids who have been involved in every decision along the way as well. And that was part of the reason why they went back to Waco. You know, Coach Boland met with the athletic director. And of course, he was with his lovely wife, Becky. And they just blew them out of the water. The opportunity to be in a college town like Waco. The opportunity to have another college job. it was too good for Coach Bolden to pass up and I will be honest with you listeners because, again, the reason I wanted to to restate all of that, how do I know all of that about Coach Boland? Well, Coach Boland is someone near and dear to my heart. I fell in love with college tennis watching his Virginia men's tennis team and to have the opportunities I've had over the past two years in particular to be able to text Coach Boland whenever I have a question, to know that you know about once a month, every Thursday, Friday, 4 or 5 p.m., I'm going to look at my cell phone. I'm going to get a call and it's going to say, Brian Boland, and then it's going to say, in parentheses, should have recruited me because that's how I've saved his contact information in my phone. To know that I'm going to get a phone call and he's going to say, Alex, I cannot, you know, I'm I'm not going to use the colorful language he might use when we're off the record, uh, but certainly to scold me over something careless I may have written or a dumb take myself or Matt Stokowiak, whose brother Nick has just transferred to Baylor, planned on playing there this year, something one of us might have said, something, you know, Chris might have said, whatever it may be uh, that's part of the highlights of, not just whenever I get to chat with him, the highlights of this job for me, to have that opportunity. A guy I have mythicized, prophesized, you know, any eyes you want to use, any sort of adjective. A guy who has meant that much to me. A guy who, again, has lent me so many advice, you know, constructive criticism. And I mean that in a serious way of ways, teaching me ways I can be better at this. Teaching me ways, college tennis as a whole, you know, ways that it can benefit from the sort of coverage we try to provide here at Crack, Crack and why it's important, you know, that we stay disciplined, that we don't get our heads trapped in the clouds when we're talking about certain things. All this different advice, the point is, Coach Boland has been an ear I can turn to someone who has, you know, again, shared things with me off the record that have helped me form form uh, coherent opinions about college tennis, just all of these different things. A guy who has made me a better journalist and certainly has meant a lot to me in my experiences covering tennis. Uh, All that needs to be prefaced because, of course, you are all asking, uh, you know, I've gotten multiple text tweets, you know, why did Coach Boland make this decision? What led to the announcement of this resignation? And I will say this. I am as surprised as anyone. I have had conversations with Coach Bolen since the season was canceled, and at no point whatsoever did he indicate that this was something he was at least thinking about to me, and again, Coach Poland and I, do I consider him a friend at this point as much as someone I you know cover as part of his job? Yes, I do consider him a friend at this point. I like to think he would say the same for me. Um, but the, and, but I also don't think if he's going to make a big life-changing decision, he's not going to text me and say, Alex, you know, what do you think about this? Tell me the devil's advocate position. Let me hear your ridiculous take and then I'll know if I think similarly. I should probably change the course I'm on. If not, I'll know I'm on the right direction. Anyways, he's not going to be driving these big decisions. By me, um, but it, it it it's shocking because there was no indication this was going to happen. And you look at the recruits he brought in, the fact that all of his seniors from last year's team went once afforded the opportunity to come back to the school, they took that opportunity. The fact that guys like Charlie Broom, Nick Stakowiak, and others were transferring into ba- into Baylor, excuse me, and that program looked like you know certainly. One of the top five teams. You could even argue one of the top three teams, alongside of UNC. Maybe Florida. You want to put in there, or USC. You want to put there, despite the fact they're losing Brandon Holt. You know, Baylor was one of the teams to watch to beat. If we have a 2021 men's college tennis season, they're a national title contender from the start of the year, just with all of the talent they have on that roster. Of course, we still don't know what Jensen Brooksby is going to do. I can't imagine he'll be coming back. But anyways every indication from this offseason, from the moves being made by this Baylor's men's tennis program, indicated Coach Boland wasn't only going to be coming back, but that he finally had his bearings on the program, that despite all of the injuries, despite all of the things they've gone through through this first year and a half, two years of Coach Boland, that he was ready to rock and roll, that he had built Baylor into what you always expect from a Coach Boland-led team, which is powerhouse results, which is competing for national titles at the indoors, at the outdoors, being one of the teams that defines the men's college tennis season. And then we get this announcement. And again, you know, the quote given from Coach Boland in the release seems amicable. It doesn't seem like this was from a place of major conflict or, you know, uh, some sort of violation, whatever, you know, there are all these rumors going out there. I don't even want to give credence to them by mentioning them here. Uh, But again, it's it it's certainly a resignation, it's certainly a split, and it's certainly unexpected. And again, I am not going to speculate to the reasoning. I will say this. I have messaged Coach Boland. We are in contact. I have told him directly, hey, I'm gonna be honest, this is a topic we have to cover and you know, this is always the tough part when you cover I suppose tennis long enough when you try and be a journalist in covering any sort of topic is you want to build personal relationships with the subjects you are covering because those personal relationships allow you insight into things such as the biggest storylines going on, such as the biggest results, you know, reasoning. You look at the bigger trends or some of the philosophical decisions or mindsets that lead to the results we see. Uh, You want to build personal connections with people. And of course, when a story like this happens, those personal connections, those personal relations, come under stress because I have two jobs. My job is to tell all of you, you know, college tennis fans or tennis fans in general, you know, what the situation is, give you a better picture of what leads to a a monumental decision like this happening. At the same time, I want to respect Coach Boland. I want to respect Coach Boland's family uh, who I'm sure uh, feel this impact of this decision as much, if not 30 times more than all of us do as tennis fans. And so with all Due respect and I apologize to you listeners because again there was no mini break podcast yesterday that's because I was on the road heading back from my beautiful home of my parents I should say in Michigan got to spend some time with my brothers before they head off to college uh you may know that if you've been listening to the mini break earlier this week but I am back at CR headquarters in Indianapolis uh of course this news happened Wednesday night would have loved to give you guys an immediate reaction give you my thoughts have a, an exact answer for you today uh uh, but the truth is I don't, and I do not want to speculate because, again, so much respect for Coach Boland. Uh, he's someone I will continue to have a relationship, I'm sure, even while he's out of college tennis at this moment. And by the way, just because he's out at Baylor it doesn't mean he's retiring, doesn't mean we're never going to see him again. Uh, but I will say this, I have had a preliminary conversations with him. I'm not going to share the content of those conversations, but I do know I'm working closer and closer to, again, trying to just get the full picture, this full story. From him, get his permission to share that story for you, listeners. That is something I will continue to work for, obviously, until I am able to provide you all the detail that you deserve. Uh, But of course, my initial thoughts again, I'm shocked. Uh, I was ready for Coach Bullen to build Baylor uh, into the sort of powerhouse we expect from his teams. And certainly they had compiled the sort of roster talent together to where 2021, if we were going to have a team season, was going to be special for the men's program. And of course, you have to ask yourself oh i'm not even going to get into that speculation because i want to save that here coach boland's opinion directly before i comment on that aspect of it um yeah, I'm going to leave that there. I apologize. I just had a little internal conflict. I had some dialogue with myself. I did a little cost-benefit analysis. It would have been a nice little tidbit for all of you listeners, but it's not something I want to report yet. Again, I am not going to offer any sort of speculative details until I speak with Coach Boland directly You know, on this topic at length and can provide you guys some uh, some content. Of course, if he goes off the record, then there will have to be shades of... Uh, again, I, I have some journalism to do. I have some reporting. I need to do. I'm not ready to give you all my thoughts on this, my story. I know Colette Lewis shared her thoughts, what she's been hearing in her most recent edition of her Zoo Tennis blog, uh, but again, I'm going to save that story for a little bit, but I thought we had to mention it at the top because, of course, Baylor was a national title contender, and for them to lose their head coach, again... Given what's going on in the midst of a global pandemic, this sort of decision, uh, it's certainly going to catch a lot of people's attention. It obviously caught mine. It was not something I anticipated, and there are certainly to be more details to come later on throughout the month, throughout the week, you know, as we approach the resumption of the college tennis year. Uh, So just my opening thoughts for that. I am sure all of you listeners wanted to hear that. Now, again, there are other developments going on in the tennis world that I think are worthwhile that I think we should discuss on today's mini break as we head into another beautiful weekend, the first weekend of August. And the reason it is such a beautiful weekend, it is our last weekend. Knock on wood, everyone, right now. Put on your mask, perform some social distancing, wash your hands, sanitize yourself. Because if we all do our role, if we're all responsible, if we're all ensuring safety health protocols, wherever we may live, we may get to see the continuation of the ATP WTA and ITF seasons and the WTA season planning to kick off August 3rd in Palermo we finally have live sanctioned tennis to get excited for this weekend of course we also have an exceptional weekend of world team tennis ahead of us as the playoffs get rocking and rolling and I don't think any of us are actually surprised by the four teams we ended up seeing in the playoffs as it was in my opinion at least uh the four teams who have been near the top of the ranking since the beginning of the season but more importantly uh, the four teams that just on paper sure their records are the four best there are no ties but I think anyone who's followed this season knows that the Philadelphia Freedoms at 12-2 and four match winning streak the Orlando Storms at 10-4 and on a seven match winning streak those have been the two best teams definitively during this world team tennis season and they've been led by the four best players a man and a woman on each side tennis Sandgren. Taylor Fritz Jessica Pegula Sophia Kennan all claims to MVP status this year all claims to those first team world team tennis singles player uh, for Sandgren for Fritz for Pegula for Kennan they deserve the right to that spot and by the way my all world tennis teams I'm going to do a first team and a second team in terms of men's singles men's doubles women's singles women's doubles mixed doubles what would my ideal lineup from this 2020 season look like of course we're going to do second team honors as well I'm going to do end MVP. Going to have fun with my award ballad. Be on the lookout for that article on Cracked Rackets early next week. Uh, but these are the four teams, in my opinion, we deserve in the playoff. The Freedoms, the Storm, again, led by those four players. They have been outstanding. And they're going to be joined by the Chicago Smash, who, you know, behind Jeannie Bouchard, Bethany Manic sands in women's doubles, and then contributions from Sloan Stevens, Nakashima, Rajiv Ram along the way. Uh, they've been so exceptional in their debut year. They've been in playoff position essentially the entire season they were able to hold on at the end earn the three seed you know yes they've lost their last three matches and that's a bit of a slide and that slide can be you know pretty well traced back to their continuing struggles in singles something for us to discuss as we move on again I think the freedoms the storms will certainly uh the storm uh, in my opinion a prohibitive favorite over the Chicago smash in that 2-3 matchup but we'll get to that in a second of the smash certainly deserving of the playoffs because, again, they probably featured the best women's doubles team in Jeannie Bouchard and uh, Bethany Maddox-Sands, and then you have Rajiv Ram and Bethany Maddox-Sands in mixed doubles as well. A lot of strength in that lineup, of course. There have been times when Brandon Nakashima, arguably the best player at World Team Tennis, which is hilarious to say about an 18-year-old American, but certainly he has been that impressive. And then the New York Empire, who slid just barely into the— that fourth playoff spot. They end their season seven and seven. A late trade brings them Coco Vandeweghe, Nicole Melichar onto their rosters, giving them that added depth that they really need to go alongside of Jack Sock to go alongside of. Uh, you know, on top of Sock, they've got, um, I can't believe I'm blanking out, Kim Kleisters. Thank you, Brain, for finally working. Uh, but you look at this team for the Empire. Again, Neil Skupsky, Sock, doing a lot of the heavy lifting. There's been a little bit of Ulysses Blanche, though, not too much. But then again, now they've got Kleisters, Coco vandaway Nicole Melishar, Sabine Lissicki, Haley Baptiste as well. The point being, they've got options. And that's something you definitely want if your coach, Luke Jensen, and of course, having those options, being able to play across the board, having strength. You look for the Empire uh, on paper; they're the best mixed doubles team in the league. They're sixty-nine forty-nine spread. You know that's plus twenty. That's eleven games better than the second best team, the Smash. Of course, the Freedoms, who they're going to end up playing, are the third best team. So you know their biggest advantage, I suppose, neutralized a bit. But for the Empire, you know, women's doubles hasn't been great for them. They do have Kim Kleisters at women's singles, who when she's played, has been arguably the best player, again, in the league, Uh, you know, that you look for men's doubles, anytime you have Jack Sock, Neil Skupski, you're feeling confident in doubles, Sock has been pretty solid in singles as well, and then again, you add in the depth they have now with Melishar, with Vandaway, a very, very, very dangerous four-seeded Empire team, I probably like their depth a little bit better uh, than the Chicago Smash as we head into the playoffs, and for those, of you who have been following along with this world team tennis apologies for repeating this but it's going to be 1-4, 2-3 in the playoffs. Same format, again, one set of men's singles, men's doubles, women's singles, women's doubles, and mixed doubles. Total game score decides it. No ad scoring. Sets 2-5. Tiebreaker at 4-all. Margins are going to be thin, folks, and I mentioned this on our GSP Ace of the Day segment today. Of course, for those of you who aren't listening, that's our way of getting in on the action. Our Ace of the Day segment brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. And as Pro Tennis comes closer, and closer to returning of course we are all looking forward to getting in on the expanded action western and southern the u.s open the event at top Seed in nicholasville which hopefully we will all have the chance to be at here at cracked rackets really exciting stuff coming up. You don't want to miss those Ace of the Day segments on the GSP, so start listening if you have not. Uh, but you look at, again, these records, and let's break it down, because for the Philadelphia Freedoms, they were the team to beat all season long. 12-2, and number one seed by two games, so again, comfortable for them if you start to look at it. For the Freedoms, they suffered two losses all year long, and they happened at very different points in the year for very different reasons. Uh, you look early on in the season, they started out on fire. They beat the Empire playoff team. They beat the Smash playoff team, obviously. They didn't lose their first match until their fifth match of the season. That loss, of course, was to the Orlando Storm. And you look at the match uh, score from that Storm. This was really the worst case scenario for uh, the Philadelphia Freedoms in this one. Fritz lost to Sandgren in men's singles. Uh, Sophia Kennan ended up losing to Jessica Pegula in women's singles. And again, when you're losing both of the singles matches, if you're the freedom, it's going to be tough for you because in men's doubles in this one, you know, Fabrice Martin, Donald Young lose to Sandgren and Skupski 5-0. In women's doubles in that one, Pagula Jurek 5-3 over Townsend and Dalahide. And by the way, Townsend and Dalahide a dangerous doubles team on paper, certainly, and they've had success throughout this year. You look for the Philadelphia Freedoms in women's doubles. They're the number four team, actually ahead of the Orlando Storm overall, but still just a thought. Uh, To keep in mind is that the freedoms have lost two matches all year. They lost to the uh, they lost obviously to the storm in that matchup, which again that's a playoff team. I think that's a loss you can write off. Uh, They also lost one other match on this season, and it was a match later in the season. It was a match they lost to. The New York Empire actually, and they lost that match uh, Wednesday, July twenty uh, July fifteenth. So, you know, a while ago, if you look back on it, of course, that was early in the season for them in that matchup. Jack Sock knocks off Taylor Fritz. Kim Kleisters knocks off Sophia Kennan. So again, to beat the Philadelphia Freedoms, you really do have to beat them in men's and women's singles. Two of the doubles flights in this Empire Freedoms match went to tiebreakers. Of course, those are either or at that point. Uh, so for them, they, again, it, there's a path to beating them, but it's a really tough one because you have to beat Taylor Fritz and you have to beat Sophia Kennan and if you're Jack Sock, if you're Kim Kleister, certainly you have confidence knowing that you have gotten those wins early in the season. Of course, in those matchups, you look for the mixed doubles. It was Martin and Townsend versus Skupski and Kleisters. You wonder if that's still going to be the matchup. You also wonder if it's going to be Townsend and Dalahide versus Pesky and Lisicki once again or if the Empire are going to switch things up, perhaps, you know, for the Empire, use the fact that they now have some extended uh, flexibility, again, on their rosters as you look for this New York team now, and you look on their roster and what they have available to them, again, following that trade that they've got. Coco Vandeweghe, Nicole Melishar, Haley Baptiste, and Kim Kleisters. A lot of options for the Empire to turn to. For the Freedoms, again, they know what they're good at, men singles, they have the top player in the league in Taylor Fritz. Uh, women's singles, they've got uh, arguably the top player by ranking, but by differentiation, you know, she's a little bit worse, I suppose, than Jessica Pegula and Kim Clijsters. but certainly, arguably, one of the best players. You know, they're pretty good. They're top four in women's doubles. You look in mixed doubles, they're the number three team. You look in men's doubles where they're at, they're the number four team. But the Empire are really good as well. It's an either-or matchup, again, Fritz, That's got tiebreaker written all over it. Kennan versus Kleisters. I probably like Kennan a little bit better in round two than I do in round one. However, you look for it in men's doubles, you know, for the, I think for the freedom, that might be arguably their weakest flight. And you look for them who's been playing mostly men's doubles for the Philadelphia freedom in their lineup. Predominantly, it has been Fabrice Martin and Donald Young. You wonder maybe they play Fritz Martin uh, instead. Of Martin Young. Fritz plus eight in men's doubles on the season. Fabrice Martin uh, plus three. Donald Young minus five. So perhaps they do end up going with that pairing of Fritz Martin. And if they do, and by the way, it's the playoffs, right? So you don't hold back. You play players as frequently as possible. I mean, we're going to see a lot of Jack Sock in this one for sure. We're going to see Kim Kleister's play. I'm sure we'll see a lot of Coco Vandeweghe. Sophia Kennan is arguably the best player in this tournament. I think she's going to get Kim Klesher's, but it's an either-or, folks. I mean, from a gambling perspective, stay away. That's going to be a battle. I love Coach Luke Jensen. I love the aggressiveness from the Empire at the end of the season to make that trade with the Aviators. But the Freedoms have been really, really good, so I will take the Freedoms to make the final, and I'm going to say they're going to play the Orlando Storm simply because... Tennis Sandgren has, and Jessica Bagula have both been so good for the Storm, and that's not where it ends, right? Because sure, they have headline singles players, two players confident enough to make the transition to doubles as well, uh, but they've also got Ken Skupski, they've also got Daria Zurek, and you know, in terms of their women's doubles flight, it's not their best flight for uh, this Orlando Storm team, They're fifth overall in the league in women's doubles, minus two in that position through the season, you look at it, that transfers to mixed doubles as well, where they're Seventh in the league, and that does give them trouble. And of course, playing the Smash—that's their biggest strength—is women's doubles and mixed doubles. For the Smash, they're second in mixed doubles overall. They're second in women's doubles overall. You know that is a flight they exceed in now. Of course, the Storm—exceptional in men's doubles, exceptional in women's singles, exceptional in men's singles. So certainly, there are options to be had overall. I would say you probably have to lean towards the Storm just because they've been the more consistent team of the two particularly as of late the Smash losing what did I say at the beginning I think they've lost their last four matchups yeah or they've lost their last three the Orlando Storm winners of their last seven matches and of course you look for the Orlando Storm you look at their season what they put together who they lost when the Storm played uh, the Smash this season you look in the uh, draws and you see how they have played I believe I believe they've played a couple of times. I'm just scrolling through here. The Storm, 21-16 winners on July 14th. So, again, that's very early in the season. But you look for the Storm when they played the Smash later in the season. It was a 24-19 decision for the Smash. And, in fact, I think that 24-19 decision for the Smash, the last time the Storm lost in general. And, obviously, for the Storm, they lost Danielle Collins early in the year. To bounce back from that, it speaks to... uh, how this team has come together, how well both Jessica Bagula has played in stepping up to fill that gap against Tennis Sandgren as fit as anyone right now, in my opinion, in professional tennis. I think the freedoms and the storm have been the two best teams and as dangerous as the empire have been. And if the empire make the finals again, you, you can take them with the storm. It's a coin flip at that point. It really is a coin flip for all of these teams. I'm going to stick with the top seed. I'm going to say we get a freedom storm final and then again, I just think even though Sandgren may get the edge on Fritz and then in doubles, I like Skupski-Sandgren a little better than I like Fritz Martin. I love Dalahide, I love Townsend. love Kennan. just love the options available uh, for the Philadelphia Freedoms. Women's at singles, doubles, and mixed. I think the Freedoms have been the best team for a reason. I'm going to stick with them, but it's going to be a really fun weekend of action. And, of course, that action can be seen on CBS Sports. It can be on CBS Sports Network, ESPN3, ESPN2. It's been such a pleasure to watch all of the action. Uh, Those two matches taking place, again, Saturday, Chicago Smash versus the Orlando Storm, Philadelphia Freedoms taking on the New York Empire. I believe we will have either Mark Lucero or Carlos Silva back on the show. Early next week to recap all of the action. So be on the lookout for all of that. Last but not least, and again, Boland news, World Team Tennis news, things to be excited about. But as I mentioned, we are inching closer and closer to the return of sanctioned ATP WTA and ITF action let's start with the us open which released a statement today about the ongoing status of the western and southern and us open events in new york quote the us eight continues its plans to stage the us open and host both of those events at the us ta billie jean king national tennis center we remain confident that our top priority the health and safety of all involved in both tournaments remains on track working with our medical advisory group and security team in the state of New York. We have developed a strong health and safety plan to mitigate the risk of infection within the contained environment comprised of the tournament site and player hotels. New York state continues to be one of the safest places in the country as it relates to the COVID-19 virus. Details of this health and safety plan will be released at a later date, closer to the tournaments, AKA we don't know exactly what it's going to look like that, but we're working on it folks in all aspects of, of health and safety, and the viability of travel to the New York area, the USTA has worked collaboratively with the WTA and the ATP. Now, you look at that statement, of course, it's notable what it doesn't say. It doesn't have concrete plans. They still don't know exactly what the guidelines are going to look like, where the players are going to be lodged, you know, what the policy will be regarding if you leave. Can you leave the bubble at any point? If you do leave the bubble, are you not allowed to come back in? All these various things, are they actually creating a bubble, or is it going to be a lot of the honor system? And we've seen what happens when you go on the honor system with a lot of these tennis players, is they Tended to violate it over the past couple of months. So these are all things to consider. Of course, the travel restrictions going from America to Europe make it that much more complicated, right? If I don't know, again, let's say random player, let's say Novak Djokovic comes to America, lasts the two weeks and then wants to go play Madrid or Rome. Will he be allowed to do so or will he have to quarantine immediately? That still hasn't been worked out and that's obviously a major, major thing in determining who we're going to see actually playing the U.S. Open. But for now, it does sound like, again, the U.S. Open, Western and Southern still on track and in fact, we actually learned the wild cards For the Western and Southern Open, and I know a lot of criticism has been uh, given towards Naomi Osaka and Sloane Stephens for uh, not just signing up for the event, but for taking wild cards wild cards are not something i like to start getting finicky about of course wild cards are best served when they offer opportunities to players who wouldn't otherwise have those opportunities and certainly you could say about naomi osaka sloan stevens why not just sign up for the event and then if you're going to withdraw you can always withdraw and at your point in your careers you can handle the penalties that are associated with with withdrawing from an event such as western and southern conversely I completely understand the hesitation, the health concerns going on across the globe right now. To sign up for an event at any point is going to be scary. And, of course, when you're Naomi Osaka of Sloan Stevens, you reserve the right to accept a wild card into the event, given the status that you have earned with your accomplishments on the court. So... You know, I will hear both sides of the arguments. I don't feel strongly about it one way or the others. In the end, tournaments are going to do with wildcards what they want to do, and to get finicky about it is just not going to help anyone. Maybe I've just grown jaded. Uh, maybe this is just me again. Four and a half hours in the car is certainly to drain you. I just don't have the lust to get excited about this, given all of the other serious things going on across the tennis world. Uh, but certainly Osaka Stevens, wildcards, great that we're going to get to see them. Katie McNally deservedly so if this event was in Cincinnati she would be a hometown girl a lock for a wild card I think that makes sense to everyone Kim Kleischer's she's looked exceptional she's on the comeback she was always going to get one and of course Venus cherish Venus as long as we still have her in the game she's planning to play in uh, Nicholasville at top seat at that WTA event gets a wild card in here as well again I don't think that's going to surprise anyone Uh, but certainly a little bit of note uh, something to note also worth an noting Naomi Osaka's agents have told uh, Reuters, have confirmed to the press, that she does plan to play the U.S. Open and planning to play Western and Southern as well. Now, yeah, again, she's going to need wild cards into Western and Southern. I don't know if she's going to need one into the U.S. Open or not, but tennis is always a better place when Naomi Osaka is involved with it as opposed to her not being involved with it. So, Definitely a win for us tennis fans worth noting as well. Uh last but not least, a couple of things to get excited about. Ultimate tennis showdown part two, getting ready to rock and roll at Patrick Mortelou's Academy. We're going to get to see players such as Alex Virav, FAA, Grigor Dimitrov, Benoit Pair, Richard Gasquet, Alize Cornet, One Jabor, Anastasia, Pavelchenkova, so many more. That's of course so exciting. Perhaps even more exciting than that, the fact that we are inching closer and closer, folks, to the return of sanctioned action. The draws coming out for the Palermo Ladies Open. Yes, there were a bunch of withdraws already, but you start to look at the draws. We have qualifying draws out, I believe, already for singles. They do not have the main draw out yet, but again, it's just great to see these sorts of draws. To see someone like Alexandra Sassinovich, the number six seed, uh, taking on Anastasia Komradina, Ah, we're inching closer and closer, folks. That's why, please follow the safety and health guidelines in your area if we all do our part we will all get back to living the sort of lives we have grown accustomed to the sort of lives we want to live sooner than you know sooner than the alternative so please 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 everyone do their parts and of course if we do we will continue to be rewarded with things such as world team tennis with things such as palermo or top seed or i keep calling it top seed because i don't know whether to call it nicholasville or lexington i've never gotten that vernacular clear anyways, we will inch closer to things like World Team Tennis and the return of sanctioned tour action, all of these various things. And of course, we continue to cover all of the many storylines from across the tennis globe. I mentioned our Ace of the Day segment on the GSP. Still so many great interviews coming out from our time in Miami in Nicholasville for a couple of exhibition events. You can hear all those conversations on the Cracked Interviews podcast. You, of course, can hear them on our YouTube channel and watch our smiling faces in the midst of the interviews as well some of those interviews happening poolside that is not something you want to miss so again for all of that information you can go check out crack rackets youtube channel like rate subscribe review this podcast the great shot podcast cracked interviews podcast inside out podcast and be on the lookout for all of our content and more some really stuff we have some really fun stuff planned for tennis's return we just need to get there folks so we will keep on doing our part here at Cracked Rackets to cover everything. Of course, the people I always count on to do their role: super producers Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- of an any job to do as always and never cease to get the job done. So shout out to the both of them. And again, you missed any of our content? Go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube—it's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to uh, to our friend at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code Cracked15. And again, be on the lookout as we have a lot of fun things planned in store for you here at Crack Rackets. But with that being said, for now, for our wonderful super producers, Max Leder and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, We'll see you all maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend. Maybe we do have a little bit of fun for you. I guess stay tuned, but for now, that's the break, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks, everyone.